Hello and welcome into the Sora Data Game Week 240 Strategy Review. I'm Andrew Laird. You can find me as Lairdino on Sora. Joined as always by Sean Newsham. You can find him as PSU Fans 2 on basically everything, but including Sora. Sean, we were just talking about how just awful international weeks are. Like, did did you even like get excited putting lineups together? Like, no. <laughs> no, the, the only nice thing, so I will say this. All right, so here's here's the this is this is a me problem, probably not like a you problem or another people problem, but like a whale problem. Is that what you're yeah, trying to say? It's it's a whale problem. All right. I like the international breaks because the effort I have to put in is minimal. Hmm. I have to do very little effort to get my lives out there, which is like actually quite nice. Sometimes I, I will say there was one international break in November. I think the one in November, I was as you know, that's my busy time of the year. I've slammed. I was so mentally worn down and the international break came at like the perfect day that I was like, thank God I can like actually not kill myself for a week and a half stretch. But yeah, they're just not fun. Um, the, like the, the weekly specials aren't fun, even though they have decent prize pools right now. Cause there's like, I don't know, like 10 players that are still left in AFCON that mm -hmm. you can actually play. There's like no one in AFCON anymore. Um, but so, yeah, I, I dislike international breaks from like, I'm not going to get or generate good rewards most likely, but I also appreciate them from a, I need a mental break for a little, a little bit. Do you think they should actually just break? What do you mean? Like just not have, just not have game weeks? No, I don't know. I think that they should have, um, I, I don't know. It just it, it can't be so bad. If it's so bad that you just aren't going to win a card, what's the point, anyways? Yeah. No. I there was no way I thought you would actually say yes. They should stop the game. No. Weeks, but yeah, I, I I would be okay if they just did like they had nothing but like specials. The problem is, is like obviously right now it's not a full international break because right. uh, Challenger Europe's actually running. But like most of the time when they have international breaks, the prize pools just can't be as bad as they are. If they're that bad, just nobody cares at all. Well, it's funny you say that because the so internet midweek of internationals feels like it's like the nut low of what we play. And somebody won Mbappe in limited this week, this midweek. Yeah, and someone won Kimmich, which is probably four ETH card as well. So yeah, I mean I it's just and this is a this is an international without European international. It's just the Americas and Asia. Yeah. Um so it's just pretty, I, I, I'm fine. I would rather, honestly, them give out more cards than the super high-end cards because the problem is is that, like, they give out, like, two cards of value, period, done. So, like, if you don't get one of those two cards, who cares? Um, but it, it's been okay. This break isn't that bad because you have the Challenger Europe scene that's going that sort of uh, bloats things a little bit. Yeah, it's still... coming midweek. There's only one U23 goalie. I think Illich's the only U23 goalie that's period out there. He's now one ETH, by the way. I think some of that is due to this game week because he is the only one. But I, I hope so because my God, <laughs> if he's I, a one ETH card, then I, I think we're in yeah. trouble. Because he, this is the end of his U23, right? He, he ends yes. in yeah. So I would sell him if I had him. I would not have him anymore. I was gonna say, would you sell him for one ETH? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't question that one at all. Anyone, the only U23 goalie I think I wouldn't sell like one ETH right now is like Beach Low because um, 
I, I just my my team set up to use Bijlow pretty well. Yeah, and he's got. I mean, he I think will have significant value even after he's U twenty three. Like he plays for a very good team. Yeah, he's an international goalie. Like maybe not as obviously as high as he is because he's U twenty three now, but. Like most of these guys just turn out. I the guy that I think of always is Yannick Van Osh, who is like a point yeah. seven card, and then he turned, you know, July second, and he's like a point two card. Like it yeah. just crashed. Well, it's like I mean, he'll, he'll play for Kortrike, and he's twenty three. Like, uh, is he really gonna? Just <laughs> up there? He's gonna be twenty four in a month. Like, is, is this guy gonna be playing for a good Champs League team soon? Probably not. So yeah, I. I think there's yeah, Bijlow's different because Bijlow plays internationally. He has major upside in terms of transferring to a major team that matters, um, and he's on a really good team now. So like, there's definitely some validity for him compared to that of someone like Illich. Yeah. So it's amazing that we were able we you because I didn't move, make us go here, but you said to me earlier this week that you think the U23 goalkeeper market is like the most interesting market on so rare. And here we are talking about game week 240, sprinkly in a little 241 preview, and you bring it right to the U23 goalies. It is. So I said that's I I, part of the reason I got killed so bad on Jesus Ferreira, uh, which unfortunately he did not get to one ETH that I said he was going to. I just missed, unfortunately. Um, But I just stare at the U23 goalies. That's like the only thing I like look at frequently. I, I do sort of look at other things, obviously, and more so when I need to fill things or if I'm looking to buy or sell something. But I look at the U23 goalie situation like all the time. And that's I just stare at. So like I completely didn't realize how bad the summer U23 forward situation was because I spent all my time looking at U23 goalies in general. Yeah. So uh, before we get into that, thank you to everybody who's joined us in the chat. Quinny was the first one in. So bravo to you, Quinny. Got uh, a bunch of regulars here, which is nice to see. Misaki, Mike Baston. Mike, you were third this week for this one, so you're going to have to come in a little earlier, um, at least for Sorare Andrews on Tuesday. Sorare Greece, that's a new one for me. Chani, good to see you. AJ's joining us. Um, we got a AJ more. had some terrible takes yesterday. AJ let me, did? Let me give you this take, Laird, and let, we'll see how, how wonderful you think it is. Okay, <laughs> you're the U.S. men's national team coach. You bench Pulisic to start Jordan Morris. I mean, you get fired immediately, right? Well, I mean, AJ thought that's a good idea and that that should be what you do because, um, well, his reasoning is Pulisic is a diva and drama queen and is a whiny biatch, effectively. So, So AJ thinks that Jordan Morris would be a more beneficial person to start over Christian Pulisic. He also thinks that Weston McKenney should not start either. But at least with Weston McKenney, there's like his discussion was like a like talented player named Brandon Aronson instead of like Jordan Morris. I I 100% thought you were going to say bench Pulisic for Aronson, which was like the the sub yesterday anyway. Correct. Um, I think... So I was having a separate conversation, obviously I was not part of that one, about how this U.S. team is better than any team they've ever had, like in terms of like pure talent. And I don't – it was astonishing to me that Jordan Morris made this team having returned from like a long-term injury and not playing for the Sounders yet. Yes. 
I this is uh, I, th- let me let me also clarify. I'm not bashing Jordan Morris. Mm-hmm. I think him on the team makes a little sense. Um, I think that you were hard against this. I think Jossie Zardis on the team makes sense, which you disagree with. Um, and like I think there are validity and reasons to have a guy like Ariola. Jordan Morris, Zardis, those types on the team and around uh, for what they can provide. That said, Jordan Morris, a MLS turd for uh-huh. realist. Okay, I, I'm not. I'll probably be too harsh on Morris, but like Morris hasn't played in like a year and a half, and you're gonna bench our arguably best player for him. Make I, I just can't. No, I, I will deal with. Jula six whining about fouls and antics um, instead of playing Jordan Morris. Yeah, I'm I'm actually okay with the if he's a prima donna or like anything else. Like I think it's okay. Yeah, well, AJ's complaint is that he thinks he's way better than he is, and he acts like he's way better than he is. But in my opinion, he acts like he's the USA's best player, which he's the USA's best player. So like I yes. think he acts exactly like how he should act. And the guy also gets just beat up. Like he just gets mm-hmm. hacked all game. Like, the guy just averages so many fouls drawn all the time. Yeah, it would be like complaining about having Neymar. Yeah. No, I'm not saying well, that they're the same players. Said, it's the he same said idea. he's like Neymar except for not near as good, which I agree with. He's obviously yeah. not near as good as Neymar, but the guy just eats a lot of fouls. Yeah. I mean, it, and the U.S. team is not Brazil. So, like, right. but yeah. Uh, okay. No, I think um, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's all. Yeah. Uh, so, while we're talking about uh, – U.S. Nationals, because uh, Jesus, Jesus Ferreira was the topic of conversation last week. And I I don't think I completely appreciated the pumping power of this uh, discussion that we have every week. I should have seen it after the Aliceta conversation, but then the Ferreira price chart from when we last spoke, it looks a bit absurd. And you, do you think we keep going? Um, I think, well, so, so the Ferreira situation isn't as good as it was because Julian Alvarez, we believe is locked in for at least six months, if not the whole year. So Alvarez is not, uh, is not as, or I'm sorry, Ferrer is not yeah. as good. As, not saying he's not good. Like he's still, in my opinion, he's worth in ETH or more. Uh, Ferrer is. Um, so it, I think he goes up a little bit more, but maybe he'll plateau. But it's he's not the only one now because we pretty we are pretty confident that Alvarez will be there as well. Yes, uh, although it now looks like because I think the the three we were saying were Alvarez, Ferreira, and uh, Tati Castellanos, who the last thing I saw was Fiorentina were interested in him, which obviously takes him out of uh, Champion America. Or I think they right. just call it America now. But how much do you think how much do you think this price jump is because of Ferreira? And how much do you think is because we can't easily recognize anyone else for like a top five summer forward spot in u23 that i think it's more so that um well maybe maybe not though it's it's it also like we i think we put together a very compelling case for ferrer last week uh the guy just so if you look at his chart which we pulled up here the 20 and 25 were international duties where he didn't play or came on as a late sub right 
if you remove that, his L15 had one game under 49. And he his all-around game is fantastic for a forward. Like, he literally is comparable in terms of how he produces on a sower perspective to, like, Noah Lang. Like, you, that's, like, the type of guy you're looking. Or, like, a Jesper Carlson. Like, yeah, like, Jesper Carlson's probably exactly who you would, would think of. So, if you look at all these other people, obviously, like, you remove out uh, Vinicius. But, like, you use these other guys. And then, like, hypothetically say he's the only one. And these guys don't exist when he plays. Because right. like, you look at this entire list of, of comparable players that you you're, you looked at, none of these are in America and none of these are in Asia, except, mm-hmm. for, except for Tati. And he could leave. Just, which you just addressed. So when all of these guys are playing, all of these guys are playing. Sure. When Jesus Ferreira is playing, no one is playing. Um, so I think a lot of it is definitely situational. Like for me, personally, if there was like 10 options, I wouldn't have went out and bought him the other day. But because there's not, I did. I also have, have now, um, I've considered getting a Alvarez as well, but I don't think it's worthwhile for me to get two. Um, and also, like, here's another situation is uh, someone posts on Twitter, McBride posts on Twitter about Jesus when he leaves and when he eventually transfers elsewhere. The way that I try to view any card is I want it for a year. So I want to look at that card for a year. So I want to factor in what that card is going to do for me that year. And then I do, yes, factor in like what will happen to him when he goes. But if I get a year out of him, then that's probably fine. So, for example, last week when we had the show, things have changed. So last week when we had the show, Julian Alvarez was unlikely to be on River Plate for the full year. His transfer destinations were wide very wide Mm -hmm. to really good to really bad options for him for sure and it was very unknown jesus ferreira for this year i know he's going to be in dallas i know they should be improved i know he's going to be doing exactly what he did last year and we already have a uh sign of what he does so i know that jesus ferreira is going to be a very strong card like tatty i think a lot of tatty too is like He's very goal dependent. He's more so goal dependent than someone like Pereira. And also, like, I kind of think he's a bit of a head case. Um, watching the games, watching him do stuff, uh, he's a bit out there to me. Um, but I think he's a classic goal scoring head case. Yeah. Like, those yeah. guys are always a little, they're like cornerbacks or wide receivers in the NFL. Like, they always have something going on. <laughs> I agree with that. So, like, Realistically speaking, I think that um, now that said, like after this year, I don't think Ferreira, which we'll talk, we'll talk more about the Alvarez um, a bit later when we go into one of the other topics I know we want to discuss. Um, and that's like transfers and, and a player that you had a discussion with yesterday. Uh, so I, I think that Ferreira is really strong on his own. I think he's re- like, for example, like I would have no problem playing Ferreira in U23 right now. Like right now he's, as good as these other guys. Like he's as good as like Noah Lang, Carlson. When I say as good, like, yeah, he might be a couple points worse, but like you can expect a good solid average from him with a potential upside game. And here's the thing with Ferreira too. So like Noah Lang, um, Cody Gakpo, Carlson, these guys are all doing this on the best teams in the league in challenger Europe. And they're doing it against a lot of worse competition. The MLS doesn't really have teams that are standout teams and that are better than everyone else. 
But not even that. Dallas is one of the worst teams in the league last season. They were awful. Yeah. They were terrible. So, like, he's producing this on, like, a bad team. There's a chance where Jesus Ferreira could sit there and transfer next year to Bruges. Like, he could do what Tejan Buchanan did, right? And all of a sudden, you're looking at Jesus Ferreira going to Bruges and becoming Noah Lang. Uh, The thing is, we just don't know yet because his transfer rumors haven't really developed. He hasn't had another season at Dallas. Um, And so, like, that that whole situation is a really wide range of outcomes. But I know for this year, I can expect a pretty optimal situation for him. And you don't even – like, you don't even really care about a year. Like, you just need to get to September. Yeah, realistically. I mean, for, for I, I generally want a year, though. Like, I, I mean, want obviously you want it, but like... Yeah, a season, a season, a season. I'm just saying, like, once September hits, it's not even the full season, though. Like, right. even August. As soon as you have all those similar players back, you're not playing Ferreira. At I least might. in U23. No, you might. You still might play Ferreira. That's, that's how solid he is. He's solid enough that, like, if I have an option of no Lang or him, I might play him some weeks. Like, yeah, I'm not going to play him when Noah Lang plays beer shitters. But, like, if Noah Lang is up against, like, one of the top teams in Belgium, like, I might not play him. I might play Ferrer on a given one. I, Lang's probably the bad example. Like, if you have, like, Carlson against Ajax, maybe that's when you... Yeah, sure. Like, if I have Carlson against Ajax or PSV, like, maybe I would play Ferrer in that situation. I'm not saying I would play Ferrer every week, obviously, but but mm-hmm. it's no different than, like, I can just move Ferrer to, to America then, and then he still performs really well uh, compared to other American forwards. Do you have any concern that he has only scored more than... 79 twice not necessarily because i think more of that can come for him uh the, the issue is he doesn't pile decisives on so like right. if he gets like a 15 to 20 aa you're and he gets a decisive you're looking at like 75 to 80 if he starts getting a few more decisives uh added i think it's okay but like you're not necessarily in the u23 ranks especially during the american season you're not necessarily like i need a 95 out of my guy because no that's true. that's fair. 95. Yeah. i think you need less at that time of the year quinny's telling me to look at game week 248 in the lineup builder which is when like all america's come back like we'll have i guess two months in the spring of Ferreira versus whoever else that the U23 forwards are. And I so like having it. the possibility of using, because like, I will say my U23 forwards as a whole is not the most strong. Like I don't have a Gakpo, a Sinistera, um, some of those guys. Like I do have a Carlson, which I won recently. Before that, I did not. I have a Noah Lang, but Noah Lang could be dead. Like Noah Lang could die here in the next couple weeks. It's, or I guess the next week or so. Three like, days, could, yeah. Yeah, he could bleed. Like I could not have him available soon. Yep. Yeah, Sean means transfer is not actually dying, for those of you wondering. But uh, yeah, no, I think that that definitely makes sense. It's just, I guess the premium that we're seeing on Ferreira, I don't want to say it feels lazy, because it's not like you're going to do all this research and magically find like the next Ferreira. But I don't know, I guess the the actual scarcity of a U23-4 during the summer is greater do you say greater scarcity yeah then i think we all expect it and so everyone's like all right let me just get ferrera because i know he's gonna work and i'll just move on from there and the price chart is just kind of astonishing to see that um, yeah it. i think that uh the thing is too is like people mentioned about like someone else will um present themselves sure and, and like and that will happen yes but i want the guy that i know i have the guy and then i will hope that someone else establishes them uh, establishes themselves and can be valid as well. But I want to at least know that I have that guy that I can put in every week. Cause like 
realistically speaking, I'm going to need to make a, a couple lineups in U23. I want to at least have one guy that I know is stable that I can throw in every day. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, AJ keeps telling us to stop bearing the lead with Cade Cowell. Is it Cowell or Cowell? No, nah, it's Cade Cowell. Cowell he, right? I like Cade Cowell. AJ knows I'm a big Cade Cowell fan. Not his midfield card. His midfield card. I was gonna say, his midfield card is absolutely worthless. Um, yeah. I say that as somebody who's has since sold it. But Here, later, yeah, you Cowell second, definitely started. My, you talked for a second. I think my dog just vomited, so let me check that. Oh, that's quick. fun. I, Cowell definitely started last season hot. Like He scored a goal fairly early, maybe even a few goals. And like, that's what got people thinking. Yeah, here we go. Like right away, 60, 63, 60 and 70. And so everyone's like, Oh, let's, let's start moving on Cade Cowell. But ultimately like the midfield card is just not, Oh, I guess those were the midfield scores. So his 2020, 2020 card is a forward. Yeah. I guess it's not even that different. The 2021s are midfield and it's less like the scoring itself doesn't change that much. So what you're really playing with Cowell is the scarcity thing, that there are plenty of decent – in fact, there are plenty of very good U23 midfielders available in Asia and America. And like we keep saying, there are just not that many forwards. And so if you have the opportunity to get this kid who um, is 18 playing for – an MLS team. I'm not going to make a, an opinion on San Jose. Like they should be better, but they seem to always underperform. Stepping into the huge shoes left by Wando's retirement, but the 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 midfield card of Cowell is easily replaceable. I'll put it that way. And so, for anybody who's like looking for him, just be careful on that because there are plenty of midfield cards available. I think there are probably more uh, midfield cards minted than than forwards. But it's really the forward spots that we're trying to fill, not the midfielders. And so the, the Cade Cowell midfield cards, I just struggled to, to see. And I say that as somebody who had one and sold it. And so um, I just, I don't know. I, I think Cowell at his age is not somebody who's just going to like absolutely dominate Major League Soccer. I mean, maybe he will one day. And if you have that long-term perspective, then that's great. But I'm just not sure it's, it's going in that direction. Um, somebody in chat was asking in the vein of MLS players are folks sad regarding Turner going to be second choice goalkeeper at Arsenal. That's actually another interesting situation too, because we have no idea who's going to start for new England. Um, Turner's obviously leaving. It's bummer that Sean has gone for this because Sean has a great line about it that I'll, uh, have him save for when he comes back. But the, the, the rush to Brad Knighton cards, like theoretically Knighton is the next guy up. But I just can't possibly see New England going with Brad Knighton for an entire season. And so maybe Knighton will, you know, it all depends on who they get. And, you know, you can throw out a bunch of names of current MLS goalies that, like, make sense. The one that I kept saying was Jimmy Maurer because the, like, Dallas is bringing in pace and, you know, he's just a veteran MLS goalkeeper. So there's that. But, Sean, can you use... Can you use the phrase uh, about Matt Turner's transfer to Arsenal? Yeah. So, all right. So here's the Matt Turner thing, which I found funny yesterday we talked about. So normally people act like the MLS is the retirement league, but reality is the Premier League is a retirement league because Matt Turner is effectively ending his career to go to the Premier League. 
So the guy's basically going to retire in the Premier League from the MLS, which is pretty wild to think about. <laughs> right. He's getting his big payday in England to not play. And yeah, hopefully finish out his career as a decorated Premier League goalkeeper. And to be fair, I have absolutely no problem with what he's doing because this is his only chance to get a realistic payday in his entire career. And um, I've heard that like the pay between what he makes in the MLS compared to what he'll make as a bench player in the Premier League is like significant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing that Zach Steffen did. I mean, you know, Turner may play some cup games here and there, but unless something drastic happens at Arsenal, like I, He's not going to be the starter. Yeah, my my dog uh, did vomit. I'm hoping he's okay. I'm trying to keep an eye on him. I might go check on him again the next time Laird talks. Uh, I don't know, it was weird. He he doesn't usually do that, but I heard him getting his his vomit sound going. But I hope uh, nothing's wrong with him. I hope he didn't get to end anything. Yeah, yeah. Somebody was saying a fifty thousand pound per week. Uh, yeah, difference. so like, I mean, I don't know what is. Let's see if I can find his MLS salary. What is his I, MLS salary? I think people underestimate just how low some MLS salaries are. Yeah, so fifty k a week is what over the course of the year, like two and a half mil, and that's usually post tax. Yeah, so he is apparently making three seventy five a year in MLS. So he's like eight xing his salary to go sit on a bench in England. So like realistically, he can go sit on a bench in. New England or in uh, in Old the Premier League for three years and then come back and finish out his career in MLS and play again like once he's like 32. So like I, I I'm all supportive of it, but it's pretty hilarious that it's like realistically he's going there to retire. Yeah, it it's funny too to me that he's going that both that well I, I don't think it's funny at all that he's leaving, but that Arsenal are there and they were like let's go get this like 27. He's going to be 28 in June like this. 27 year old American goalie. Who's like, I guess he's the best one they have, but like at 27, like what's the point to go get him? I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I, to be fair though, I mean, I guess you look, maybe they get him cheaper. Maybe they get him cheaper at like two and a half million. than they could get someone of similar quality that is not um, American and they can get it because he's from the MLS and they don't pay shit. Right. Yeah. That's fair. AJ's trying to tell us to look at Insignia's MLS salary, yeah, which I believe is salaries. bigger than like half the league brand, like sal- yeah. total salaries. So. I think he, yeah, I think I saw a graph that he was like 12th and he was above like 18 or like half the teams in the league yeah. in terms of salary. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Switching gears here. I want to talk about, we're going to stay in the U23 uh, realm right now and look at a guy that you have familiarized yourself with over the last two weeks because you won this guy last week. And you were not the happiest about winning him. Still not. I mean, let's (laughs) let's throw a disclaimer out here. I love winning any card that's worth a significant amount. That's great. But Please explain to everybody why winning Gavi is terrible. He's basically a one and a half ETH paperweight because he's not playable no matter what. Like, you just don't – you're just never going to play him. So here's the issue that I basically – I won Gavi. On Tuesday. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I got fourth in whatever and won Gavi. Great. I was pissed because I know that one, I don't really want to. I I know selling him is going to be, I'll get like one and a half. Let's call it like one and a half. It's probably right right around there. Yeah. Um, So like if I sell him, I'm going to get like one and a half. If 
I keep him. He's never usable. Like, I don't know if I'll play him one time in the next year and a half, for example. Like, he's just that useless of a player as of right now, um, which isn't his fault. It's just his age. Mm-hmm. However, I then sit there, and my gallery is pretty big. I have some options between players to play that a one and a half ETH isn't going to go super far for me in terms of getting in reinforcements, getting in upgrades. It's just not going to do tons. So I sat there. And I was pissed off most of the day. I had him listed actually most of the day. I lowered his price three times because I was trying to sell him. Then I was laying in bed on so rare data like everyone does. And I was just sitting there looking through things. And I realized I'm like, I can't sell him because it's his rookie card. He's a 16, 17 year old that plays for Barcelona. Already is established with the Spanish national team. Plays in a position where hypothetically he could be a really good card in the future and he has the potential to be a really really good card long term and he's like five eight there's a potential he ends up taking set pieces in the future like realistic expectation from him is super high Mm -hmm. and i was sitting there i'm like and i'm not saying this is like the style of player he is or this is what he's going to be but like let's hypothetically say three years from now he's Kimmich. if i sold a effectively 20-year-old Kimmich for Barcelona and the Spanish national team, his rookie card that rookie actually card. has the rookie card stamp on it for one and a half ETH, I'm going to just like be so depressed. So I basically sat there and I woke up and told Laird I'm pissed because I can't sell this card. I basically just have to plow it in the back of my gallery for the next year and a half because selling it just like the other, the other thing with it is so like Gabby has done nothing. He's done nothing to to be at one and a half ETH other than be a potential long-term great player at that age. If he doesn't do anything for the next year and like you look at what he's done so far, like if he puts up this exact same score line over the next year that he's put up, he's going to be a one and a half ETH card. Like he's not going to go down. Yeah. So like selling him now makes no sense because like if he goes down, he's going to go down to like what? 1.2 ETH. But if he goes up, he could be like eight ETH card. Like even his rare, like his rare could be tremendous in the future. So I, I basically looked at him like there's no downside to sell later and there's a ton of upside to, to hold. So I basically realized that I have no ability to sell him currently due to my gallery construction. And then we also talked like if Laird won him, guy would be on the market immediately gone because it, you just can't justify having a one and a half ETH paperweight if your gallery is in the 30 ETH range. If your gallery's at like 200, 300 ETH, like you can sit on a card like that and not worry about it. That's why people like, that's why it's, he is a similar discussion, but not quite as Donnarumma, which you and I have talked about before. If you have like a 20 ETH gallery and you're consistently paying, playing Donnarumma, you're nuts. And, and, and Laird actually, so we'll go into this. It's a good segue into this comment. You talk about what is the one thing that annoys you most about so rare Twitter? That everyone is always so shocked when Donnarumma doesn't start. Correct. People literally get, they play Donnarumma. He's so angry. And get so mad when he doesn't play. It's like, you're saying the guy that doesn't play all the time isn't playing and are, are shocked about that. And like, people do it constantly. And it's like, you look at someone's gallery and their gallery is like a, a 10 ETH, 15 ETH gallery. And they have like three lineups and they're plowing in Donnarumma every week. And you're just, you sit there and you're like, why do you, are you playing Donnarumma? And actually funny about this is the same reasons, basically I just went over in regards to Gabby, 
I went over in regards to Donnarumma and bought one because I was like, I can't justify not having him yeah. long term because it doesn't make sense with my gallery size and I can afford a two ETH paperweight for now. Um, so, but like people that literally have a relatively small gallery and just plow in Donnarumma every week are wild to me. So two things. One, I think I would hold Gavi if I had him. Like, it, I think my my I think my gallery is big enough where I'd be willing to hold the, that paperweight. Yeah, well, you've held Joao Felix and and sure that forever. So yeah, of course, I, I'm not getting one and a half for him now. You're not. So the other point about Donnarumma and uh, like this is easy for me to say because I don't have Donnarumma. So like, but every week on like Thursday it's night for us, or if it's a midweek like Monday, there's like the surely he has to start this week. And there's like the 15 reasons why he has to start. And the only like response is like, well, is Navas available? And they're like, yeah, but, and I'm like, well, then you don't know. You don't know. Yeah, correct. And so, and then he doesn't start. And everyone's like, there were the, here were the 20 reasons that he should have started. And it's like, Donnarumma is like the perfect example of when we as SO5 players think that what should happen is going to happen and not what we think is going to happen. And so you could have a hundred reasons for Donnarumma to play. And as long as is Navas available, yes, then like there's zero certainty that Donnarumma should be able to play. Correct. And, and so I, I feel bad for everybody when they get that DNP. It helps me tremendously though obviously because i don't have him and so i'll happily take those dnps but uh, that's a killer card that's all yeah and so like aj is giving us a really good example of the lack of u23 forwards in the summer so he just gave us three examples of, of u23 forwards so first example of good summer u23 forwards and, and for what it's worth like he's wrong on all of these guys for a <laughs> so diver caicedo was very good Got, got pretty much not bench, but like when, once Ryan Gauld got there, he was used significantly less. And the last four games of the season, Diver played uh, a total of like 80 minutes in four games. So you have a guy that was benched effectively. And when he was playing, he was okay. Uh, I'll say Caicedo had like a lock on set pieces early in the season. Yes. And it, and it was like, oh, wow. Like I remember when Limiteds came out. He right. was one of the first limiteds I bought, and I'm like, I'm getting this. This is this is sharp. Correct. And, and then, so here, and this is also a thing. So like, divers L40 is 10 points plus, give or take, 10 points or so worse than uh, Jesus Ferreira, Julian Alvarez, uh, Tati. All right. Then he goes to Gyro Torres. All right. So Gyro Torres in his last 20 games has cracked 53 twice. Like that's that's not good enough. That's not going to cut it that often. And, and then Ueda has also, been, I think, had a role on set pieces very briefly. Yes, and then uh, Ueda has been rumored to go to Europe. Uh, whether he does or not, that's to be determined. But he's, I do agree, he could be good. But so, you, yes, obviously, if people can't afford to pay one ETH, there are options. But those options are significantly worse than these other cards. Um, so it's do you not think Ueda's okay with Suzuki there. I don't know. I, yeah. I 
I expected UEFA to be going to Europe is what I was expecting. Uh, so I'm not sure if he'll be even, I'm not sure what their plans are. I don't imagine that Yuma Suzuki would go there and not start. I'd be very surprised if Yuma Suzuki went there and not start. But yeah, so like, yes, there are options. Like you, I think Brenner's a good option. To me, Brenner's a good option because I never question whether or not Brenner's in the game. Brenner's going to start based on what we saw last year. Um, but like, I'm not expecting Brenner to just, consistently hit me 58 with upside at 85 i'm sitting there with brenner and being like this guy will start hopefully he can bag me a goal and get me 62 right this guy plays yeah it's like this guy plays so like there is a difference between this guy's elite this guy's good this guy plays this guy does not play every game this guy does not play those are like the kind of levels like if i look at America and Asia going into the summer. Nobody is elite. Maybe Alvarez could be, but like nobody's elite. There are three guys that are good. There's nobody in the next, or I guess there's like three guys that are kind of elite due to other options. And then there's a gap. There's no one good. Everyone else like falls into the, hey, they play category. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, it's it's as much of what we were saying. It's like Ferreira is like the you're buying scarcity more than you're buying. I mean, he has good scores, obviously, but yeah, it's, and obviously there's going to be, you know, a few, probably a few guys who move from that terrible to Brenner range and we, you just go and play them, but it's, I mean, it's ugly. It's really ugly. And I'm not sure, like, do you have any in like feel of where, like if they come from Japan as opposed to the U.S. I don't see much in Japan right now, but I mean it's it's early. But like so, Dyson Maida left. Um, there, I don't see it. I don't see it yet in Japan in terms of like what I've seen. I there was an article I saw the other day that had like expected lineups yeah. um, for Japanese teams, and like I did not see tons of elite level options that are possible. Um, whereas like, there's been a lot of turnover in the NLS, a lot, um, in different areas. Like maybe, maybe Marshall Ruddy starts playing for Toronto and he's a guy that can become that or like, cause the thing is, that's another thing we talked about, right? Like people were in love with Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo Pepe is not great. He's way worse than these other options. Like Jesus Ferreira was better than Pepe in SO5 terms. Yeah, it, well, we we always said like I've had like plenty of people ask me. I've I like have some sort of weird um, pride in always saying that Ferreira was more like that he was a better buy than Pepe. Because like Pepe was just zero when he didn't score, and yeah. Ferreira at least had that AA game, that all around game that we were talking about. Part of it was because he t- took set pieces, so that helps. But there are a few people who asked like, do you think? Ferreira's scoring is going to be as good with Pepe gone. And it's like so much of it didn't rely on Pepe that it's just of no concern to me that Pepe's yeah, gone. I agree with that. Oh, here, here can be our pump of the week. It's not, we should have, we should have a segment. Do we want to have a segment, a pump of the week segment? <laughs> I think the whole podcast is that. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. The thing is though, as I said, I, so for all, everyone watching, I need to get better at the pump situation because like I just pump cards but there are sometimes cards that I still want to buy. Hence why I made sure I got the Ferrer last week before we talked about it. But like these guys I'm talking about, I'm not even trying to, to 
pumped because of I'm selling them. They're just guys that I think are good options. So it's not a U23 forward. It's actually Usami from Gambo Saka. I think Usami has a really good year for Gamba. The reason is they were kind of screwed up last year because they had major COVID. Huge. They had so many issues because they had a COVID outbreak twice, I believe. And they yep. also had Champs League. So, like, they had so many games just congested, which has screwed up everybody realistically. But you saw him, he takes, like, every set. He takes penalties. He was – they wanted him at front tail, but apparently, like, Gamba – Gamba or you saw me like, declined and, and decided to stay. So, like, you have a guy that probably will average, like, 55 to 60. And his average last year was, like, 52 with a lot of issues. But he's a very consistent scorer – that when he starts, he has good shots to get in the, the 50s. Um, and if he gets a decisive, he goes better. But I think Gamba will be better this year than they were last year. And I think that this is a guy that's pretty solid. And also, like, looking at this stuff, um, this is a guy that played in the Bundesliga and played for Bayern Munich. Like, he has a lot more talent than a lot of players in the Japanese league, per se. Hmm. Uh, I think the pump looks... It's probably fine. I bought Usami recently off of your recommendation. I was looking for a champion Asia forward, and you were like, just get Usami. I have uh, Higashiguchi, their goalie, and we were talking about how, like, yeah, early season, they just got slammed with COVID, and the whole season was just wacky. But they're like a legit club. And so Misaki called him Mr. Gamba, which always sounds great. And I think he's right. I think he turned them down. And he the thing is, right – they were a Champions League team last year, which yeah. means the year before they finished top three. This isn't a team that's going to be in the relegation battle, most likely, like they were this past year. So, like, if they get a more consistent year and they have, um, they have like a more just consistent overall everything, this is a guy that I think could be like a 55 to 60 average guy at a decent age. Like, his age is 29, he's not ancient. Yeah. And, uh, I think he'll be very consistent in terms of scores. Like he's going to have a really good floor and he's going to also have a really solid upside. And I think he'll be a guy that will be like locked in every game and not really be a worry. So, so yeah, you did get the, you got the behind the scenes call, whereas everyone else is waiting now and getting the, the above that said, like, I don't, I don't know if his price is like, I don't think it's special. It's nothing special right now. You're probably looking at like 0.25 for his rare. So like, I don't think it's, yeah, it went to 0.25 was the most recent sale. I don't think that based on the rest of Asia, it's uh it's a massive, massive like opening. It's not like he's like 0.06 or something, like he's 0.25. So he, he does cost a bit. But like if you're not being able to afford Cecenia and those type of guys, like I think he'd be a pretty good fit for a lot of people. I would love Cecenia. Cecenia was one of the first limited cards I bought. And I was like, oh, these are let me go buy the guys I can't afford anywhere else. And Cecenia was like one of the first. I finally bought him at some point last year because I was sick of every week just getting eat just plowed by his hundred. So as soon as I bought him, though, he sucked the rest of the year. So <laughs> hopefully he's not as terrible this year. Um once now that I have him. But yeah, I do I for me it made sense to have a Cecenia. We were in yeah, we were in a, a few discords together. There's nothing worse than like waking up on Saturday morning, and just everyone's like, Cecenia! And I'm just like, ah, oh, damn it, <laughs> again. I'll tell you what's worse is when it happens during the day and you're awake and, like, everyone just plow. Like, luckily, <laughs> I don't have to live this often because it just doesn't happen. But 
uh, we're the one Discord we're in where everyone loves Kai Havertz and he scores goals, but like he just doesn't score anything or do anything worthwhile. So I don't have to worry about that. But I mean, we all know who those people are, right? Like, so I don't have an Ajax stack. So when Ajax goes nuts and Tadish goes nuts, like that sucks. Or like, uh, I do have some Ajax guy, just not him. Um, hate, used to hate, I hate when Everson gets a clean sheet from the arrow. Hate it. Me, oh. I mean, if there's like one goalie I want to see concede every single time. It's him. I, I just I want to see him give up a goal immediately every week. Everson was one of the first limited goalies I bought. Like I, did, I, mean, I just bought a whole Minero stack because I was just like, I'm sick of this. I'm going in, and at least I can benefit from it at some. Yep. Point. Yeah, I, I can't stand him. I can't stand Langrak from uh, Nogoya Grampas. Can't stand him. Um, can't stand Adon because of a lot of people run him. It's not even like the players that like a lot of people run it's that you know the people that have him have very good lineups mm. and when that guy smashes it means those good lineups are likely to be even better right yeah when you know that your goalie is getting 60 to 65 and the rest and that's like always the the variant spot yeah like Cecenia. Yeah. like i knew when Cecenia had a good week like i know like aj has a super rare like zura has a zura has a bunch so-and-so yeah. has a super rare. so-and-so has three rares and you're just like well I know these guys are putting them together with good players, so that's not a good sign. Right. Yeah, Sassini is definitely one of those one of those players that like all the good players, the so rare managers have. I'm going to go back to the U23 conversation for a second because I'm going to – I'm not even pumping this guy. I'm just bringing it up. But there are two reasons I'm going to bring it up. One is I think he's basically Brenner, but he's Brenner from – I'm going to say – I was going to say a much better team, definitely a better team. And I don't think he's that great of a player, but this comes with the added caveat that I have sold this guy. I so, like Cabral. I, yeah, I was so actually Kevin Cabral, like, Cabral. if he's he's one of these guys that like fell into that category of like he plays. Yeah. And so like if he plays with like Chicharito and they have like some decent players, like he'll get a goal or an assist every so often. But he's U twenty three and cheaper than. A lot of guys. So. Yeah, I actually was gonna earlier when I was when I, we were talking. I was gonna say Cabral, but the thing is, is like he just has a lot more blank all around game, which yes. is weird because he's he's a winger. He's not a striker. Like Brenner yes. now now striker. Cabral is more of a winger. But if you watch Brenner or if you watch Cabral, Cabral has he looks decent sometimes. He looks, he looks like a sport, times professional. Though. Yeah, which is it's probably his age, but uh, I think that. Um, that that he that's a good shout with Cabral. Like he's a guy. That and he is plays he's a guy who plays a lot in a position that is not that deep in a time of the year that is light. That's the best I can say for him. Like that's why I sold him. Yeah, you Quinny might be right too. Like if they brought in Douglas Costa, which they talked about, like I don't know if Cabral plays. No, that's a good point. But I can't see Cabral not playing, so I'm not sure like what the plan would be um, from a Cabral perspective. So I, I'm interested in that. So let's segue into the next topic of conversation, the um, transfers situation and how you approach transfers and like what are considered good or bad transfers to you, um, which will lead us right into Luis Diaz leaving from Porto to go rot on the bench. So I clarified earlier and he's been in the chat so you and the moo man were going at it yesterday on twitter so i asked moo man what his actual take was because i thought it was unclear 
based on Twitter. His actual take um, is that he thinks that it is a, this is what he said. He thinks it is the worst thing possible for any small account that holds him, but that big accounts that have SO5 flexibility or people willing to hold onto the player through the downturn could get a crazy payoff, which is why I think it is simultaneously the worst and best case scenario for someone holding him, depending on their personal situation. Now, I want to counter that by saying, why would you hold someone through the downturn? Mm -hmm. You didn't sell them, then come back and buy them when they're on the downturn. So you get as much as possible out of them. Um, but what is your thoughts on the Diaz situation and just transfers in general? So I have one. And he's been like incredibly valuable for me in terms of playing like so5 so it's actually like a huge hit for one of my lineups i play him with otavio i have this like portuguese stack for challenger i usually run it in all-star because i hate challenger anyway but and this just ruins it completely and it gives me a guy who basically becomes worthless for the rest of this season like i'll never know when he's going to start he'll just it's worse than Donnarumma because he's not actually a starter. Like Donnarumma, at least you can be like, no, he starts most of the time. But like Diaz will never start. And the there's no way he breaks in ahead of Mane. And so I'm basically waiting for Sadio Mane to leave Liverpool. And then I'm also hoping that he can replicate what he did at Porto, which like – Liverpool in the Premier League, I think, is similar to Porto in in uh, the Premier League. Like, they're both at the top. And so I don't think, like, it's not like he went to Newcastle or Burnley. Like, he's still up there. It's just that he has significantly more competition right now. And so, like, I I think if you look look at the price graph, I think people are realizing that, like, yeah, he like, it's coming down already. And why have you not sold? Um, I don't know. I think mostly because I'm not sure how I'm replacing him, which I really shouldn't wait to do that because obviously the price is going the wrong direction. Sure. But I don't know. This is how I view transfers. Uh, so I think there are good transfers. A good transfer is someone that is going somewhere that they will clearly start and is a better situation than they were in currently. So that would be like Jesus Ferreira going to Ajax and knowing that he was going to start. Like, obviously, like you don't know that he would start Ajax, but like just giving an example of a team. Because certain players, like if, so, if a certain team pays $25 million for a player, they're going to play him. That's just, that's how it's going to go. There are potentially good transfers. I view that as like someone going to a city or a Liverpool, a team that is elite, that if they actually break into the starting lineup and are consistent starters, they are uh, very solid players. So that's the next level down. There are mediocre transfers where it's like, okay, this guy is going to go somewhere and then they're okay, so he'll be okay. Then there are bad transfers. I, I'll give the example of that, and that's like Noah Lang going to lead. Mm -hmm. Noah Lang goes to Leeds. That's a dumpster fire for Noah Lang because they're just not a good enough team. They're in a more competitive league. I'm not sure if he's going to start. 
Um, like that's kind of like the range of outcomes with transfers. So like this Diaz transfer, I think is a dumpster fire for, for him. I think it's terrible. Um, for the reason that one, I don't think Liverpool is good enough on the rare scale to just smash in stats for him to be an elite level player. So he's basically coming in to be Sadio Mane, right? That's like what he would be. Sadio Mane is not worth any more than him right now anyways. Mane is worth pretty much the same exact price as Luis Diaz. So, and like his scores are good. Like his his literal score chart is very comparable to Diaz. Everything he does is comparable to Diaz. So like Diaz is going to go from Champ Europe to Liverpool and be the same player as Mane. And he is going to be worth the same price like there's so, yeah granted yes it's a little bit different because he could go uh he's younger so like maybe he would be more value due to his age but like the upside isn't necessarily um screaming value to me with that team per se okay. um he's not whereas, yeah like I mean, he, like he could be Salah maybe hey maybe he is I, part of the issue with me I guess like I'm not a big Luis Diaz believer I don't think he is a guy that's going to be playing every game for Liverpool. I, that's just not how I see him. I think if he is, that means Liverpool is not as good of a team as they are now. Um, so like, that's my issue with him. Julian Alvarez transfer, however, I think is fantastic because Alvarez one is going to be on loan. So he gets to stay at river plate for six months to a year, which is amazingly huge for a holder of his card. And then two, the upside at Manchester city I know it's not going to necessarily show on the graphs and whatnot, uh, but the upside at Manchester City is is like best club in yeah. England. They all smash their brains out type thing. He is younger than Diaz. Like he is 21, whereas Diaz is 24. So I think that like that upside situation for, for Alvarez is significant. And I think the upside situation for um Diaz is not quite there because Diaz is a one eighth player as a challenger year at forward whereas Alvarez is a one point I don't even know how much Alvarez is what is he like 1.2 1.3 he might be higher than that might be he might be he might be like 1.5 but like he is doing that because of being a U23 like if he wasn't U23 I don't think he'd be he'd be there yeah so he's like 1.5 ish yeah. so um that that I also say like for midfielders, for like defensive midfielder type players like Ibrahim Sangare, they're not as much of a worry to me. Like yep. Ibrahim Sangare can go to Newcastle and put up the same stats he does at PSV because he could be very active in the midfield still. For That's what everybody was saying about uh, Venetia Souza. Yes, exactly. Same thing with Venetia Souza. Like if those guys go to other teams, they could still really perform. Guys like Alvarez, Diaz, uh, Mane, all those guys, like they need to put up decisives. Yeah. So the only way you're putting up decisives consistently is if you are a better team than your opposition very frequently. Because that's the thing is like the, the better your team is in comparison to the competition, the more frequently consistent you're going to be putting up decisives. And I think that there's a struggle with that. Um, obviously, like when you go to like Newcastle or Leeds or – uh, Hatafe or something like that, because they're, you're just not going to be consistently better than all the teams you're playing. Yeah. No, I think, 
I think the the Diaz like there's no the, the there's no realistic way that he goes in and pl- even plays as much as he does at Porto as yeah. opposed to like performs as well. And so that's like the really difficult thing I'm seeing. And I don't think he like I think he can justify his current price if he becomes a starter there. The problem is that you're waiting so long. Like realistically, he's not it's not happening this season. So you're waiting right. and realistically it doesn't happen next season either. Like they've got right. plenty of guys that they can like move in and out. And Salah's the only one who really feels like he's locked in. Like Jota, Firmino, um, even Minamino could get some minutes instead of Diaz. Like they're just yeah, yeah, Minamino, Minamino makes sure he doesn't get minutes at all costs. <laughs> But yeah, Munir, that's, also, that's also a good transfer. Yeah, like someone that literally doesn't play going anywhere is a good transfer because like they could play. Like yes. going from a known don't play to a possible play is is a good positive transfer. Right, right. And this is a known play all the time to... A known play and smash play with all the time. <laughs> this is a known play all the time and smash into a rod on the bench situation. That said... It's not the worst situation because the upside is there. What Moo man, and I'll, I'll give Moo, Moo is right on this. Like Liverpool has four players in their starting lineup that are like three to four ETH cards. Yeah. So your upside in the event that um, Luis Diaz becomes Sala is a three to four ETH card. So you're looking at like a four to five X. So like there is definitely a yeah I do agree Minamino needs to go somewhere else he just he needs definitely. to change the scenery permanently I believe um, this isn't there is upside here like so I don't want I don't want to say there's no upside here but like the realistic situation is is like Lewandowski's three point three ETH who's the best like forward in like if you had like one forward who who's your forward in Champ Europe outside of Mbappe and Holland probably Lou or Messi. So like you're looking at like three or Salah, or so so like you're looking at like three. So if you think yeah. like three ETH is like the um, AJ's right too. Part of the value of a Liverpool card is is being a Liverpool card. So Luis Diaz being a Porto card, it that that does take away some of the the value of that. I agree with that 100. Um, percent It's a situation where. I think there's upside, but the upside is limited. The upside's capped at like three to four X. So if the upside's capped at like three or four X, I would much rather go with someone whose upside is five to 10 X, which means that you probably go to someone else. Like, I don't know. Um, I'd have to look through and find other options, but like, I just don't see the option being that strong with a, Diaz but it could be and that's what I said like I do think it's a dumpster fire up front but it's not like a it's not a dead transfer like he's not transferring to to Burnley like he has hope which is good having hope is is good I mean he's playing every minute at Burnley though he is playing every minute at Burnley but he's never going to be good at Burnley so like there's no matter what he's not good so like there's that's the negative is that he's just dead now that said, if he goes and rots on Liverpool's bench for two years and then transfers to Burnley, that's a good transfer. <laughs> right. Hopefully he's 0.3 instead of one ETH. Yeah, I think the problem is that the realistic outcome 
of be, or the the realistic odds of him becoming that three to four ETH card is so low. Correct. Like realistically, it's really low. Like realistically, if you want to try to generate that type of value, go buy some U23 Goldies. Back to that. <laughs> yeah, we, we and, or Laird and I talked about uh, just renaming this show the U23 Goalie Search. Um, but like, yeah, like realistically, if I want to realistically hit that type of value, like I could just go buy Toby Lason and hope that Van Devoort gets transferred out this summer and boom, Lason's a two and a half ETH card. Um, so like, I, I think that the opportunity for Diaz to become that high-end guy is not great. I would feel better if he went to like Bayern or something uh, for the possibility of that because Bayern and the gap they have in the Bundesliga is uh, much further than the gap that like Liverpool has in the, the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. Staying at Porto was the best situation. Yeah, staying at Porto. That. And that's the thing too is like if you have like a 21, 22-year-old, I mean, I guess Diaz sort of fits in at 24. Uh you are realistically going to move somewhere. And realistically, if you're doing well, you're going to take a step up. So realistically, if you take a step up, you want to have a hope. But like, yeah, once you get to like 26, 27, you realistically just don't want that person to ever move out of that situation again. And you want them to last there for like three years. Like, um, like So like Junior Ito, like I have Junior Ito. Like I would want him to just stay at Gank until oh, yeah. he's like 31, then go back to Japan and just smash his brains out. Yeah. <laughs> That's realistically, I've talked about Ito before from that perspective. Like, um, Ito could just smash for a couple more years of gank, then just plow right back to Japan, just be a, a crusher. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So they were talked that Luis Diaz was going to go to Spurs, and I then he said that. he wanted to go to a big club. But do you think a moves, SO5-wise, do you think Spurs would be better than Liverpool? Like, they don't score as much, but he probably plays more? Maybe, because they're good enough that that might be the case um yeah i think i think you're you're right on that move like for example like we've talked you and i have talked uh before about my i just don't money makes no sense to me like he's just not good enough for champ europe to be played he'll have his streaks where he's okay but like realistically that guy's not getting the job done but paying 0.9 for sadio money is a lot more appealing to me than paying one for Luis Diaz at like a challenger level because Mon is at that highest step. He can't really take another step up and he's already doing stuff there. Whereas like you go down and you buy a um, a guy like Luis Diaz, he could move to that team and not produce near as well. Yeah. So I, I think that there's a lot of validity in that aspect of thing. Like I would much rather pay one to 1.5 ETH for like a Mane, a Depay type guys that are at the peak that aren't really going to take many steps up um, than buying like Luis Diaz or um, a guy like Pedro Gonzalez, like guys like that, that if they take the step up, it could be negative for them. Gonzalez is a really good, I, a really good test case, although he's losing U23, isn't he? He is. So here's my issue with Gonzalez. I love him. I think he's really good. Like watch him, I think he's really good. I think he can be really good going forward. Um, but... I'm very hesitant. Like if he goes to Wolves, just done, just terrible. So I have my reservations on if I should sell him or not. I have sold, I had actually um, a super rare and two rares. I had three of his cards and I did sell a rare off because of that. And I'm tempted to sell a super rare off. However, the super rare, here's the pricing on Gonzalez right now. There's, 
Low list on the rare is 1.65. Um, and last sale was 1.3. There's a super rare out there for like 5.4. So like, I actually think I'd be better off selling the rare than the super rare. Like if I can't get like six to seven for the super rare, I think I'd rather sell off the rare. So like possibility, maybe I'm going to go and buy or uh, that I go and sell off the rare I have. Like I, I might just decide like, hey, I'm going to just get rid of this at um, at this price. But the thing is like I play him twice every week. Sure. Not having him removes an option for me uh, to play. Yeah, no, that makes sense. One thing I want to point out here, we have a little bit of a Cade Cowell situation with Luis Diaz that his older cards are midfielder cards. And I don't think anybody wants a midfielder card. Who? The Cal? Luis Diaz. Oh, oh, I didn't know Luis Diaz had midfield cards. Yeah, yeah his, you don't want his a midfield like card. Early cards. So like if you like old cards, just know that you're buying a midfield instead of a forward card. Yeah, you definitely don't want uh, and also make sure you have the right Luis Diaz because there are multiple. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Um, but yeah, definitely don't want the midfield Luis Diaz. It goes into the um, same situation as like a Cade Cal. Uh, you do not want the midfield Cade Cal. You want a forward Cade Cal ba based on how they all play. Yeah. These are switched. Like Diaz's older cards are midfielder cards and Cal's older cards are forward. But you'll, I can't think of the situations with guys like this that you're like, you would not want the forward. Yeah, any offensive-minded player, realistically, it comes down to like if they have if they have defensive contributions, you want the midfield. If they have no defensive contributions, you want the forward card. Um, unless, yeah, yeah, AJ, I do like the Steve Clark move to Houston because he might play there. So I'm a fan of that because I still own a Steve Clark. So uh, yeah, I'm fine. Goalie doesn't matter. Like no team in the MLS is light years above any of the other teams. Like realistically, uh, and we look like. Like, if you look at, like, Cropeau, like, his scoring was pretty solid for Vancouver, who is terrible no matter what Laird tells you. Um, but, like, you can score okay in the MLS uh, regardless of, of what team you're on realistically from a goalie perspective. There's nobody good enough. Yeah, there's no good one that's, like, light years above in the MLS. Like, yeah. Everton and those guys are way above the other guys uh, due to the league and the differential between their team and the rest of the league. I was going to – ask you that question and i was sure that your response was like it's goalie it doesn't matter it doesn't uh like the thing is like i'll, I'll go look it up like everson is currently priced at 1.15 is his low offer the last buy was 0.65 so there's probably a gap there it's probably my guess is everson would be like 0.8 Give me two like 0.4 goalies instead of 1.8 goalie most every time I'll take it because then I can play matchups and then I also have more coverage in short weeks and situations like that. Does it feel like Minero also plays on every short week? Every time. Like That's, it feels like they play seven days a week. Like hate it's him. can't stand him. Can't stand Minero. Can't. <laughs> All right. So you know what? You know what really pissed me off about the whole situation? So when that whole situation presented itself. Everyone went and bought Monero stacks. And everyone was like, oh my God, I'm so smart. I bought a Monero stack. They're playing in all these short weeks by themselves. You know what I did? Gamba was in the same exact situation. Hmm. I bought all the Gamba pieces because nobody was doing that. Everyone was doing Monero. No one was doing Gamba. And Gamba actually had better run of short string matchups hmm. than Monero did. 
But then, of course, like Idaguchi got COVID and my defender died and Usami was rotated in and out. And I basically got screwed for doing it. And that that adds to my hate of the Minero guys. Well, I mean, their second like COVID wave just crushed them. No, it was killer. The second COVID wave was killer because like they forced them to play through the second COVID wave. So like Idaguchi missed like a month and a half. So like a month and a half of short game weeks, like that's like 12 games and more. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't have Idaguchi at all, which just killed a lot of my options and then um, other issues. But yeah, I think th- it goes back to the whole Zig versus Zag thing. Like everyone and their mom runs a Minero stack. If they go nuts, like you're just fighting for who has the best stack version of the Minero situation. That's not great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lot, oh, you're talking about the unique AJ. Yeah, let's uh, let's end on that. What we think the final price is. So the current price on the rares of Mbappe and Holland is around eight and a half. I think a super rare today would go thirty to forty. I think the good number, which people have posed, is a hundred. I think a hundred is a good number. Uh, because the thing is, is like, there's only so many people that can pay that much and people get, I did nail the messy rare price. That is true. I was, uh, not, uh, correct on the super rare price, I believe on Messi. but then also Messi has become useless and, uh, he's not been like what he was. Um, I would say a hundred, but maybe less because the thing is, is like, I, I, I've heard that there's a hundred K limit on credit card. So people cannot bid over a hundred ETH unless you have planned and produced a hundred ETH on the site or whatever it is. So a hundred, a hundred thousand dollars limit would be around 40 ETH. So most everyone's going to be capped uh, around that limit. So I think it's going to be. Zura, however, have, we know has sold off quite a bit of, of pieces to be able to possibly go for this. So I think realistically it comes down to does Zura want it? And if not, does like Roxy or um, a bottle bore or like someone random want it? Because uh, outside that, like we know Blackpool will be in play. We know that someone. No, they're leading right now. What? Yeah, they're yeah. Leading they're, right Mark, now. Mark's leading right now. We know someone from Blackpool will be interested. How high they'll go, we don't know. Um, but we know they we know at least for sure blackpool will push it yep. to a certain number whatever that number is we don't know um but so we know there will at least be one driving force the issue is there needs to be two driving forces um yeah you just need a ddos attack for like the next couple days and then mark's all set so like that's definitely a solid play they don't even uh, need it that best, long they just need it for sunday better question how much do you think it's worth it's impossible for me to do that. True. That's fair. That's fair. I think it goes over a hundred though. I think think... it goes over a hundred. I think it should be worth like two fifty. It, 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 this sounds really weird, but it's worth the, the value cannot be determined until we know who owns it. Correct. So like the, the number of, you know, if it's somebody who comes in, like, I think there's a decent chance we see bids north of 50 ETH. I'll, I'll lower it to north of 25 ETH of accounts we've never seen. That's fair. What what did the Mbappe unique go for? And when was it 
when did it happen? It was one, AJ just said it. I think it was 116. It was 116, AJ. When was it? Because, like, I feel like it was so long ago and it was in a bundle. I'm mean, not that that matters because no, it, it wasn't a bundle. Oh, because it was France. Was it France? Ronaldo. Yeah. Last November. Oh, Ronaldo. Yeah. No. So, yeah, it went 116. Oh, yeah. He's on PSG. Duh. Um, it went for 116 to max. Yep. Was last year. And then I think that. I think it should be over 100 ETH. I, I think it should be closer to 250, but I don't think it's going to get there because I just don't think there's going to be someone that pushes the boundaries to get it there. 100 to 250 is a humongous jump. It is, but I think it should be like if you look at like, so if you like rare prices would indicate that it should be worth 200 ish. Because like if you're looking at rare, yeah, I know it's hard to say, but I guess like 150. Um, Okay, so Mbappe Super Rare is going for around 25 to 30 when that went for 116. So, like, if you 4X a Halan Super Rare, which I think would be about 30 to 40 now, you're looking like 150, mm-hmm. which I think is a good range. I think 150. I think 150 is a range. range. A half million USD makes sense to me. Um, I think that makes validity. But again, it, like, it all comes down to someone else has to push Blackpool. No offense, AJ. But like if no one is pushing Blackpool, I could see you them getting it at like 75 ETH. Because someone has to be there to push them to 150 mm-hmm. ETH, which I may or may not happen. <laughs> the whole like half a million makes sense to me for a yeah. two peg of a German of a Norwegian soccer player. It does, which what's a half a million right now? Like two hundred ish? I guess so. Give or take. I do my best not to watch ETH. <laughs> I do. I like to know where the I, it's the best way to know where the so rare liquidation is at, where the liquidity is at within so rare. If ETH is high, no one's selling anything. Yeah. If ETH is low, buying and selling is going to be relatively easy. But yeah, yeah, I think the card's worth. I think this is my take on the Holland. I guess it's going to go for less than it should be because it doesn't have the people to push it where it should like every rare of like mbappe and holland even the super rares are going to get pushed to the edges because um because there's just there's enough people to push it there like getting to 30 ETH for like a mbappe super rare can happen because there's a group that can get it to that price yeah whereas like the unique, I just don't think that group of people is that large. I think there's like, you're right. There could be some random that just plops in and we've never seen from and boom, they're like in play. Like, but, I don't think it's Gary V, but we could have a Gary V situation. Here. We could. And if that happens, that's awesome. That'll be great for everyone. But I think that there is less likelihood of that happening. And you're looking at likely Zura, a bottle board, Roxy, Carapu. Carapu could be interested um and then blackpool someone there so like i I think there is validity that something happens i just don't know who would push it to the heights that i think it realistically should go like if you if you pay like 150 for this i think it's well solid if you have 150. yeah i'm not saying i think gary v will buy this card i think he's done but i think there's somebody who randomly who could come in correct chase that's why i think they announced it a week ahead of time so that there was enough time for people to organize but 
you have to organize pretty quickly and get together 150, 200 ETH to, to, to be going after this. And it has to be on the site already. That's a bit of a task for some people. I mean, obviously some people can make that happen. So I'm, I'm interested to see, I don't look at auctions like this. Like I do not care. Like at Raphael Bore last week, like I didn't even have a clue what it went for. Like, cause I just didn't care at all. Yeah. Like this auction, I will just see like what it goes for. Cause I'm interested. Yeah. Zura did sell a clone for 150. So, so Zura in theory can push this, whether he will or not, we'll have to see. Yeah. I, I think there's a decent chance that whoever buys it has the ETH already. It may not be on the site, but like, if you like, I, I don't think it's somebody who's like, Oh man, let me go use my cash to buy ETH to then get it on. So rare, all on Sunday. Like I think, it's just an ETH movement for whoever. Because Zura only Zura only had one clone that was like that. AJ, I want. I wish AJ would tell me like what he thought Blackpool was going to go to, so that I could like decide if Blackpool was likely going to win or they were not likely going to win. I think that would be more fun. So AJ, just just slip into the DMs and let me know how much you guys are going, and and I'll go with it. But yeah, I think I think the range, if I have to guess, is like 100 to 125. I think it should go for closer to 200, 250 is what I think. What do you, what's your what's your thoughts? I think it's an, it'll end up in the 150 range, and I am not going to guess of what it should go for. Yeah. Like, like if it's somebody who buys this card and leaves, I think 150, like, why, why go, but see, these numbers are just so absurd anyway. It's more like if you're somebody who can come in and spend 150 ETH on this collectible that, and you're not using it at all, like what stops them from not being able to go to 200? Um, I, yeah, that's the point. I think like someone that just comes on does that. I think it would be, uh, would be for that purpose. Uh, AJ and the number that would make, that's a good question. What number would make you like, like, Oh my God, I can't believe this sold that. Um, I think that's would be like, 350 400 uh, 300 probably would make me like would make me mouth drop i'm expecting somewhere around 100 to 125 ish even like if i cut it down a little bit more that's my guess um but if, if it got to like 300 i'd be like damn that's that's shocking to me i i think even 250 we start being like holy shit because true. it means there are multiple people who are bidding over 150 for it true I agree. I think that uh, the, there's some major validity in that. Like, I think even like, uh, what is is the highest ever buy 116? Was that Mbappe the highest ever? Was like the Ronaldo that? Uh, yeah. I haven't seen uh, Camembert. Has Camembert been around recently buying anything? I assume not. I know he had his own thing uh, things going on, so I wasn't. Dude, that I, was all all Real Madrid, though. Yeah, it was. Um, so I think if he buys it, then you know that Hallen's going to Real Madrid. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so, like, I just don't see... It should be at least 100 to 125, but it's mm-hmm. someone's got to push it there. If someone's not there to push it... Like, I think there's a realistic shot someone gets a absolutely idiotic deal on this, like, at, like, 70 ETH. I, I, I wouldn't rule that out either. Because, like, no one has 70 ETH. Like, I... For example, if I see a card now that... I, I'm saying, like, not, not a lot of people. Like, I can't sit there today and... Be like, oh, this card's at like, like, I'll give an example. Screen R unique earlier today went for 18. It was part of a bundle. The bundle wasn't worth much. It was at six. I was like, 
damn, this really should be going for like 15-ish. And it's at six with 10 minutes to go. I could see like a situation where like that just goes because someone just doesn't protect it. But I was like, oh, I might protect this to make sure it goes to like 10 plus. I can't do that with this card. Like there's like 10 people on the platform that could go for this card. Damn, AJ, I was just about to say that. The Dark Horse winner is Pavel. That was this is what he's been point. saving. This is what he's been earning this entire time. He does have the East he definitely balance, has East you know. balance. Yeah, yep. that is that is true. He should be someone that pushes this. I don't know if he would or not, but that that's actually pretty accurate. To uh, that that's an interesting thing. Yeah, I think how many people do you guys? How many people do you think on the platform have the ETH balance to be able to push this over hundred? So it's funny you say because I was going to say to you that with that screenier uh, unique, like I think there are enough people on the platform that can go to like fifty that it's obviously not going to go that low. Okay. But then, yes, I, I would guess that 70 to 75 is the range where you're just like, people just don't have it. And then you're putting in, you know, just a handful of other people. But I mean, you named six or seven earlier that we thought could go to 200 and it doesn't take seven of them to go to 200. It takes two of them just going yeah. back and forth. So. Yeah, all it takes is two. Well, the the limits, limits 100K. So you can... Credit card it up. No, but I'm saying like that's the floor because no matter what, someone will take it to the limit of the credit card. So the credit, the limit on a credit card buy is 100K. So it will, so 100K right now is probably 40 to 45 ETH. So there is no possible chance it goes under 50, which I mean, that's not shocking to anybody, but like, um, so like it's at least getting to 50 to 100. It's just a matter of how high after that it goes. Yeah. Actually, you should, you should big, big dick it and just plop 40 in right now. Just, just use your credit card limit and just plow forty. And I know, mm-hmm. and it's it's the serial number you want. It's the one of one. It's 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 in your wheelhouse. There's ever an Axa card, man. I, I tell you what, I that's Axa not getting the Gavi is shocking to me. The the jersey number Gavi that sold. We don't, I have, we don't have to rub it in. So I got thirty two, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure Gavi's some random number like that. I knew he was. I just didn't know what it was off the top of my head. I'm like, so I went to check it because if it was jersey number, I was gonna be like. Axa, hello. What do you want to pay for? <laughs> Although Axa has declined me, I have elite level jersey or one of a hundred cards that Axa has declined. Like I have Aaron Cresswell, one of a hundred, <laughs> and Axa has not come to me with interest in that. I also have Lubomir Fascia, one of a hundred, and there's only two of his cards out there, and Axa has not come with me or come to me with like a significant offer to pry either of those off of my hands. Oh, well. I like this line. Misaki said, I love listening to two fantasy football nerds talk about the value of a card I could never even imagine getting even yeah, I, close I, to, I, which is funny because we can't get close to it either. No. Yeah. Like, I, my calorie is pretty big, and I couldn't even fathom getting this card. Like, I think that my um, – I was trying to think of what my realistic cap on a card would probably be, and it's probably like 10 ETH. I have to sell everything, and then I would get – somewhat close we got a joao felix to oh yeah so that joao felix for eight and then exactly. no i think of the real like i just it's hard for me to to fathom spending more than like but but a lot of it for me is that the issue is is like i need the utility and like i cannot pay 200 eth for haland and get that utility right i can get that utility for like 20 so like i just couldn't justify spending like 200 eth for that me neither. Well, yeah, you um, can't you can't put a lawn in D, right. D two. Like, but the the thing is, is like, 
if the per there could be someone that comes in and buys it that doesn't play SO5. Like it's realistic mm -hmm. and it is possible. And we could never see it again. Happens. And that person could just sit on it and not use it anywhere, which would be hilarious. But uh it's it's it is a realistic possibility. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It'll be fun. Um, all right, we've gone long enough that Halland uh, at the end really pushed us. But yep. yeah, this is gonna be fun. So yeah, for those of you who are listening before Sunday, what is that? January 30th? Yeah. Um, you'll know what we're talking about. And for those of you who are listening after and you know the price, maybe we all look silly or we nailed it. We'll find out on Sunday night. Uh, thank you to everybody who joined us in the chat or if you're watching the replay, if you guys wouldn't mind hitting the like button below, that's very appreciative. Uh, if you could also uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel or subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast, that is appreciated. Rate and review it as well. Uh, also, for those who are on Spotify, we're now on Spotify video. So uh, if you're watching on Spotify or not, you can do that now. So um, that's just another option. And I also believe we're on Amazon podcast, which I didn't even know was a thing until I was uh, asked to join. So um if you're, from, you're listening from an Amazon podcast device, um, thank you for listening and please rate and review it. We'll be back next week um, talking about Game Week 242, although obviously by how much we talked about Game Week 240. Um, any U23 questions you have, feel free to hit us up for that. I am at Andrew M. Laird on Twitter. Sean is at PSU Fans 2 also available in the Sora Discords under the same names. Sean, great stuff. Good luck on Howland on Sunday, and I'll talk to you next week.